With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is Football Social Daily, Premier League podcast. That's more like it from Manchester United. They said that the players don't run. They did. They said that there's no team unity. There was. And they said that United have got no chance of finishing in the top four. Well, with that result, they do as well. Talking of the top four, maybe it's even a title race for Aston Villa now, who beat Manchester City last night. It was third against fourth, but Villa have their eyes on maybe the biggest prize of all. Surely Unai Emery has not managed to engineer his team into a title race. Plus, Liverpool got the job done over Sheffield United. Steve Cooper may be on thin ice at Nottingham Forest after a 5-0 thrashing by Fulham. And there are two more matches to discuss tonight in our midweek array of Premier League fixtures as well. This is Football Social Daily, the award-winning podcast with me, Niall McCorn, Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson. Some good games last night, boys. How are you doing? Good morning, yeah. Yeah, not uh, not a bad midweek, that, to, uh, to watch match of the day, yeah. It's a nice feeling actually seeing your team win for a change. So nice, nice evening watching on Amazon. Uh, Marley's favourite. I thought you'd be a little bit more upbeat, Joel. You still sound a bit depressed, even though I think that was one of Manchester United's best performances of the season. It's because I know what's to come in the next couple <laughs> yeah, of weeks. Liverpool That's next on Sunday. I'm temporary, and I've got Bayern Munich just before that. So I'm just. You know, take one day as it comes, as the nice cliche is. <laughs> well, where do we want to start? Do we want to start with Manchester United or should we give due respect to Aston Villa for their win over Man City? Because I was in the pub last night, lads. I'll say this. I was in the pub and 
there was one side of the bar, the Man United-Chelsea game. The other side of the bar was the Man City-Villa game. And one side of the bar was much busier than the other. And that was the Man United-Chelsea side. So I watched the first half there and then maybe the last five or ten minutes of the Villa City game. So I was kind of across both matches. I'll be honest with you. I didn't think the Villa City game was as entertaining as the United Chelsea one. So where do we want to start? Take your pick. No, let's give the props to Villa, I think. Okay, because let's go start with Villa then. I'll start to begin with. Obviously, I watch my team, but looking at the statistics and what went on and from what a lot of Villa fans were saying, it didn't do justice to the performance that Villa actually did. And I was looking at some stats from the game and it is actually quite shocking at just how much of a dominating performance it was, where I saw that it was the first time Man City have failed to win a single corner in the Premier League under Guardiola, the most shots City have faced in a single game, the most times an opponent's won possession in the final third, City only got two shots on target the whole game. When you look at that, it just shows just how Villa literally picked them off on every single area of the pitch. The joint fewest shots Guardiola's size ever attempted in 535 games in his, his professional career. I mean, when you see the teams that he's had and the teams that he's faced as well, Aston Villa were the ones who've almost limited his team to absolutely, completely nullified them. And I think when you looked at the way in which Villa set up and what City are missing at the moment, it was so evident when... You don't have the likes of Ilkay Gundogan and Kevin De Bruyne, who are the ones pulling the strings creatively from midfield. And when I looked at City's midfield on paper, they just don't have that from midfield anymore. I mean, they brought in Matthias Nunes, who I think has still not really lit the game on fire there. But when you're losing Gundogan and Mares, who are probably arguably two of their most creative players when they were playing for them, you're going to have an issue, aren't you? And Haaland, it just, I don't know what's going on with him. And I know he's still the top scorer, but in the last three games simple simple chances that he's not putting away and I think for City at the moment it's just not clicking there's just no cohesion in the team at the moment but you have to give such props for Villa because they are serious now you have to say they are there and amongst it don't mean in terms of the title but the fact that they're going toe-to-toe with some of these teams now proves to me and I think proves to many people that they are serious and they have to be taken seriously this season. Yeah, because not just the result, because Man City could have battered them. They didn't, but let's just say Man City battered them and Villa go and win 1-0. People would still take them seriously because of the result. But it wasn't just the result, Marley. It's all of the things Joel said and the way that Aston Villa looked the better team against Manchester City. And yes, it was at home where they've been strong. But do you agree with me in saying that if they just won the game 1-0 and it was a scratchy performance, you do sit up and take note and you go, bloody hell, Villa are playing well. But because they dominated really and deserve to win, that sends an even stronger message to the rest of the league. Yeah, I mean, we said, I said yesterday on on the podcast that I, I don't think Villa are, are there yet because they've not done it. They, until they do it against a, a top side like a Man City, then that's when you take them seriously and they did that. So... Yeah, now obviously you take them, take them as seriously as anyone. I think um, the the way they they played. I mean, Joel mentioned there they had two shots, Man City, and they came within. It was a double save by Martinez, really, wasn't it? With uh, with Haaland's, um header and then and then the um, sort of tap in type effort he had as well. Like, well, sort of one on one, wasn't it? Where he sort of tried to put it back across the goalkeeper, and Martinez has saved it, and then he didn't have anything to do for the rest of the game. Um, that's weird. That's that's on City to to not be good enough at, on the night. I thought they would be. I thought they'd take Villa a bit more, not not take them more seriously, but just play better. As in, 
you know, you know that you're coming up against a good team. I feel like if that was Liverpool, they'd have pulled themselves up as they did a couple of weeks ago when they dominated the game and and then Trent scores the goal late on to almost nick a point type of thing. But, you know, when you get Man City in that version of Man City, you're never going to get a worse version, if that makes sense. So you have to strike while the iron's hot. You have to beat them. You have to build on that momentum. And Villa Park was absolutely bouncing last night. They were, you know, the, the roar at full time was, was brilliant. The performance was brilliant. Kamara in midfield was, you know, proved proved why he's he's one of the most competent defensive midfielders in the league. Um, him and Jao Polina are the two that aren't playing for the, the big six that are, that genuinely could. They could walk into any side in that big six, and I include Man City in that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's huge result for Villa. So fair play to them for uh, for going and getting it done and looking bloody good while, uh, while they did it as well. Um, plenty of holes for Man City to work on. Um, and they need to do it soon because we all say, yeah, that you know they come on strong after Christmas, but nothing's ever guaranteed. And one thing we 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 usually say about City is, when you've won the treble, is the hunger still there to go and win it again? Like the hunger, it's only natural for the hunger to not be there when you've done something you've already done, like to win something you've already won. It's only natural that it sort of uh, it kind of drops off a little bit, and we're seeing that in the current Man City form that they're not um they're not taking it seriously right at the start of the season we did our predictions as we always do and jim salverson who if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time you guys will be familiar with jim and joel had a bet last season over who would win a trophy first out of newcastle united or manchester united so jim's been on the show many times over the years he actually predicted aston villa to finish fourth this season and we all laughed him out of the studio lads he texted me this morning saying my prediction's not looking so stupid now, is it, Niall, to be fair? And I still don't think Villa will finish in the top four. But off the basis of last night, are we changing our minds at this early stage that they are going to be one of the top four teams in the league? Because they started like an absolute train. It's one of his only decent predictions, isn't it? Because uh, if we all remember... Well, they'll, still, they'll still finish seventh, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I still feel it's very, very early because you see the quality of teams when it gets to the very nervy end, where it gets to April onwards. We've seen some of the best teams absolutely capitulate when it's going for a title, going for top four. We see it with... The lesser teams, for example, Leicester, when they were so close to getting top four a couple of seasons in a row and then they bottled it on the last two days, or that Liverpool, Brendan Rodgers side, or even United, my side, uh, in 2012, when it went down to the final day against City, you earn your real credit when you can go all the way and finish the 38 games in that top four or to be Premier League champions. And that's why, although it is a really nice period for Aston Villa, Typically, the stronger teams, i.e. the ones who are consistently finishing in the top four, they're the ones who get stronger as the season goes on. And I just, I'm trying to think of, let's say, Villa get an injury to Ollie Watkins or John McGinn or Louise in midfield. Does that really make their season almost spiral out of control in terms of consistency? Because we've seen it with Tottenham. We were all singing their praises about a month ago. Suddenly, Madison's injured. Suddenly, Van der Ven's injured. And they've 
Well, they're on a bit of a downward spiral now, aren't they? And they're nowhere in contention to being talked about as title challenges. That's why for Villa fans, I mean, I looked. I always love looking at the the YouTube comments after a game on the highlights and seeing what the Villa fans or the team who's won, seeing what they've been saying. And there's a really heartwarming one from a guy who said, I've been a Villa fan for 50 years and I cried joy and proudness after watching such a fabulous team play great football, the best I've seen at Villa Park in my whole life. I mean, that's what they should enjoy. It's not about looking up to the title, looking to top four now. If they're playing the best football they've had, and let's not forget about what, three, four years ago, they were in the championship based on a really dubious error from the goal line technology. I mean, to see where they've come from and where they are now, I think it is a really nice story, but let them enjoy it. It's a great point. And I'm totally in agreement with you when you say just let them enjoy it, because it's not a case of, are Villa going to make the top four? Are Villa in the title race? And obviously we're, as people on podcasts and in the media to a degree, kind of obliged to ask those sorts of questions. I mean, it's natural from a neutral's perspective to go, do you think Villa can actually do it? But I think that's the point. The tone of the question is, no way, surely they can't do it. And that's what the fans will be feeling as well, Marley. They'll be like, do you reckon we can do it? They'll be nudging each other in the stands at Villa Park. They'll be looking at the guy next to them who has a season ticket beside them going, I think we might have a chance here, you know, and that's the beauty of it. And I'm totally with Joel. The fans should be enjoying this moment. And actually, they shouldn't be putting too much pressure on themselves because it happened in 2016 with Leicester, where every week people were like, ah, fair play to Leicester, but they'll they'll bomb at some point. And they never did. And it was very much the positive thinking, I think, which helped Leicester through that season. Yeah, 100%. I think this is this is what football is about. It's about dreaming. It's about bloody hell can we do this type of thing and having those moments and and stuff like that it's it's you know a world away from from what what they were you know last this time what 18 months ago they were being managed by Steven Gerrard he didn't have a clue and he had largely the same squad he still had Martinez, McGinn, Watkins, Mings, Conser, Douglas Louise they were all there I know Emery's added to it, but he proved that he should be trusted to add it to it by doing a good job in the first place with um, the the you know pieces of wood basically that he had that um, that Steven Gerrard left left him with type of thing. So he got them to seventh, I think it was last season um, into the Conference League, which is you know as, as good as he could get really because they were in such a mess when he came in the, that that. Um, that's that's pretty much the the top of the league they could finish at. They were never going to crash the top six after that start. So, you know, they're they're, they're flying. That and that's what football's about. It's it's what a good coach can do. You know, if you come in and and you're on the floor, the only way is up. And it's it's happened with Newcastle last year. This this Villa team reminds me of of the same thing Newcastle did last year when they were third in the league um, and not far off in, at this sort of stage. Um, and we stayed there all season. You know, we were swapping third and fourth with Man United on a weekly basis, ended up finishing fourth. Villa couldn't do that, but with the title race being tighter, it's not just fighting for third and fourth. It's fighting for first, second, third and fourth because there's four teams at least in this race as we as we look at the table now. You know, Arsenal and um, and Liverpool are up there, but, you know, Liverpool don't look as strong as they have done in previous years. Arsenal are always going to have questions until they go and win it. And then Villa have almost way less pressure than any of those two sides. Um, but can they cope with it over the 
the nine month season rather than the first three months of it you know that's that's the question they've got to answer now sorry I was just going to add to that as well I know when we had Danny Simpson on the show and he talked about how Ranieri distracted the media with his dilly ding dilly dong with the pizza situation I was just looking at Unai Emery and he's from the Basque region and I was actually recently watching a documentary and apparently they're famous for their sautéed baby eels so maybe he needs to start bringing some baby eels to the media to try and distract them just see Marley's face then exactly let the media pull up their face at the eels and suddenly no one cares about the football you'd anymore. see a lot of journalists not turning up to press conferences and I you would. know the ones who I i'm would. talking about when they know that grilled eels are on the menu as part of the uh, pre-presser grub um well done to aston villa excellent win for them by a goal to nil over man city that moves them up to third on 32 points that is four points off top of the table who are currently Arsenal on 36 Liverpool with their 2-0 win over Chef U on Chris Wilder's return last night puts them on 34 then it's Villa on 32 Manchester City six points behind now dropped to fourth on 30 points and they're off to the Club World Cup soon as well so that gap in terms of points might actually extend a little bit further over the Christmas period if they're not playing I'm not actually sure what City's schedule is I'm sure someone will let us know in the Telegram chat uh, which you can join by clicking the link in the description and all of the links to social media pages are in the description as well. And speaking of social media, most of the talk going into this midweek game week was about Manchester United, Eric Ten Hag having allegedly lost the dressing room and the players not being able to run and the media being banned from certain press conferences. Well, it's easy to backfire when you put yourself in that situation as a football club. Thankfully for Ten Hag and Manchester United, they came up with the goods and a very good display against Chelsea last night in which they won 2-1. And we'll talk about that game next on Football Social Daily. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Welcome back. This is FSD, an award-winning Premier League podcast. My name's Niall Marley and Joel are with me. Joel's the Manchester United fan among us, so it's your chance to wax lyrical about your side's performance last night. And you know what? Lots of Man United fans have been frustrated about recent performances. Is the fact that they do have a performance like that in their locker, but you just never see it, more infuriating than anything else. Obviously, you're pleased for the win, pleased to beat Chelsea. You still haven't won at Old Trafford since 2013. But it's infuriating in a different way, not because they played badly, but because they played really well. Everyone was on it, and it just makes you wonder, why aren't they doing that more consistently? I thought we were bad, and then I watched Chelsea. (laughs) I mean, what are their fans watching weekly? Seriously, they are poor, so, so poor. I, I think Chelsea should have bigger worries than us based off that game, because honestly, they looked absolutely disjointed completely. I mean, Levi Colwell, he was the same guy who got so highly revered at Brighton, and he got absolutely bullied all evening uh, against Anthony and for the goal, the second goal that McTominay scored. But for United, it's it's such a strange one because it always seems like it has to be a reaction to something. So in this week pre the game, there's a lot of scrutiny going around, a lot of bad negative press about the dressing room being divided and etc, etc. And it always seems like when this sort of news comes out before a game, it's like they're playing for a reaction and they're playing to kind of get the fans back on side. But that should be the absolute bare minimum. So going into the next game, we should be seeing that exactly the same. That should be the absolute baseline for the team. But in terms of a whole, it was such a good performance, probably one of the best of the season so far. But again, the biggest worry I have is that we just simply cannot kill games off. Because at 1-0, obviously Bruno Fernandes missed the penalty early on as well. Really poor penalty. And then we suddenly gifted Chelsea a gift back into the game when Cole Palmer scored out of absolutely nothing. It feels like United, when we score, we're starting on minus two, where we need three goals just to absolutely solidify the game. Because at 1-0 and at 2-0, the game is never, ever safe with this United team in terms of just securing a lead. It just is so infuriating. But special mention has to go to Scott McTominay. I feel like he's been completely misprofiled his whole life. He's been a defensive midfielder for the last seven years. Little did we know, he's the next R9 up front. He is our striker. He's he's the guy who's going to solve our striking by situation. The way, by the way, how many goals has Scott McTominay scored this season that are just a carbon copy of the goal we saw last night with the ball dropping down in the box or he's chested it down and just volleyed it in or poked it in from a few yards out? I'm not taken anything away from the goal because it was another good finish but it just feels like a goal against Brentford there was a goal in the Champions League scored exactly like that as well there was a goal last night where the ball's like spinning down from the air and he kind of like holds someone off and just like volleys it in I feel like I've seen the same goal that he scored three times already this season and he scored a similar one wasn't it against Galatasaray or no, Copenhagen, I think it was. Exactly the same where it just drops down and he has just a point-blank volley and it goes straight in. But again, it's quite incredible how our two best players in the last month has been Harry Maguire and Scott McTominay. And they're the two players who were almost being ushered out in the summer where we had bids from West Ham for both of them, still didn't go. And yet they're the ones who are almost trying to stand up above everyone else. And I think you have to respect them for that. Massive, massive credit goes to them. Harry Maguire's just one player of the month in the Premier League. I mean, what a turnaround that is considering three months ago, he didn't even have a Premier League minute under his belt. And now he's suddenly back in the frame again. So honestly, great credit. I don't remember a football player getting as much stick online as Harry Maguire got during that period. 
Yeah, it's true. And I feel like there are still people willing for his downfall still. And I saw it in a part of the game where he was on the right wing and he did like a step over and back heeled it. And they were almost like ironic jeers, as if to say, what is Harry Maguire doing in that position? There's a permanent marker on his back now where even though he's doing well and like you've said, no one, majority of the people won't give him the credit that he deserves for it. But I think for Harry Maguire, the biggest praise he can get is the fact that Ten Hag is starting him over Rafael Varane in his position. That's the biggest praise he will get. He shouldn't even care about what the public are saying because Ten Hag now is playing him ahead of a five-time Champions League winner who is one of the best or should be one of the best in his position. Anyway, we've mentioned Manchester United and we mentioned Chelsea. Good win for the Reds, but it was a bad night for another team that play in red. And I wanted to get your take on this, lads, because Fulham beat Nottingham Forest 5-0 last night. I saw some footage on social media of the fans in the away end, Marley. It was the Forest fans chanting for Steve Cooper and the caption was, Steve Cooper, thanks for everything you've done. You'll always be a legend. Now that to me sounds like they are at the point where they're expecting him to be sacked. Now, Steve Cooper is saying that he's still giving 100% to the club. He's not going to walk away. He's obviously spent a lot of time there, built a project, got them into the Premier League. And so he's probably got some credit in the bank. But with a performance like that, losing 5-0, they haven't won in ages. But I thought that was an interesting take on social media from what I saw from the supporters that were there at the ground last night. It was kind of a thanks for all you've done, Steve Cooper, but it's time to go. I don't think it's thanks for thanks for what you've done, but it's time to go. It's thanks for what you've done. He's going to sack you. Because Marina, Marinakis is dying, dying to sack Steve Cooper. He wanted to do it last season um, and he, he didn't because he ended up getting rid of the director of football or the guy that signs players, whatever whatever job role you want to give him. But um, yeah, it's, it looks it, it looks like the writings on the wall because he's, he's this trigger-happy coach, um, sorry, trigger-happy chairman who loves to fire coaches. He's done it at Olympiacos. He's had about a million managers since since the turn of the uh, decade. It's There's loads of, um, of people strewn across the Europe who've been sacked by Evangelos Marinakis and he left after, I think he left after 3-0 uh, last night. He got up out of his seat. Um, somebody found his um, press accreditation um, on the floor outside um, Craven Cottage. The Fulham fans found it and just took a picture of it. And that's on social media for you. So he clearly walked out and I think he was asked about his um, his future afterwards, Steve Cooper. And he was, he was, it was probably the most classy response I've ever heard in any situation from a manager. And he's like, I just want what's best for the, for the football club, I'm not really thought he didn't say I wasn't bothered about my job, but he sort of said that, you know, if that decision's made, then, you know, it's bigger than me. I want what's best for the football club. And I thought that's really, really, um, you know, nice to sort of realize. Um, but I don't, I don't think he should, I don't think he should go. I just think the way Nottingham Forest work, he's a head coach and he says, okay, you sign the players and I'll coach them. That's, that's what, that's how this club works. And I look at who they've signed and I look at the fact that they sacked the guy that signs the players last year and I look at who they've got in the squad and I just think you haven't got a good squad. I don't see enough good players in Nottingham Forest side to be anything better than where they are. I think Morgan Gibbs-White is, is a really good player. And other than him, I'm struggling to see somebody that I think 
is better than Nottingham Forest. Chris Wood is a Nottingham Forest striker. Or he's limited, but he'll fight for what he's for everything. He'll fight for every ball in the air. He'll probably win most of them. He'll miss easy chances and he'll score a few and he'll end up with eight a season or ten a season if you play him in all the games. I look at like Harry Toffolo and you know uh, Ola Aina and Aurier, and I just don't see incredible players that are going to lift you up the table. I don't know how much more Cooper can get out of them in terms of sort of... I know they could not not get beat 5-0 by Fulham, that, that would help. But I don't see them being any much better than what they are. Um, Do you know what I thought was so, interesting yeah. just from that video that I mentioned about the away fans was Steve Cooper kind of patted his chest and held his hands up as if to say, I'm sorry, you didn't deserve to see that, travelling all the way down to London on a midweek in an expensive part of London as well. It's not cheap to go to Craven Cottage. And the Fulham fans have actually been complaining about that as well. But that's a side note. And what I noticed was the players that were stood around Steve Cooper, as they all went up to the away end and applauded the travelling fans at the end of the game, they didn't quite understand what was going on. I think they were expecting volleys and pelters from the away end. And what they got was support. And actually credit to the fans for backing their manager. Because it's clear that they want to keep him in post. I, I think that's understandable because the the manager gets the fans and he knows he knows what the situation was last night and I feel like the players are almost if you know if they look confused and they, they don't quite get it. I think that's a result of them all being signed so quickly. You know, they've signed forty players in the last um two transfer windows. I think they signed thirty in the summer last year that we're all we all criticised and stuff and, and rightly so. Um, and then they signed another 10 this year. And like, I think if that's your club model, you are going to lose lads that fight every week and lads that might not be good enough, but will fight like hell and will not get beat 5-0. If you bring in all these players who, I'm not being funny, but have never heard of Nottingham Forest, they're not going to give absolutely everything, I don't think. So I don't think Serge Aurier gives gives as much fight for every ball as uh, Ryan Yates does in midfield. And Yates made a mistake last night, but he will. But everyone makes mistakes. It's that kind of thing. And I think, you know, Murillo, the centre-back, you can't tell me he grew up in Brazil dreaming play, dreaming of playing for Nottingham Forest. I don't see enough from... I think they've lost the character of the team, but I think they've got the character of the manager. The manager gets the club. I don't think the players get the club, and that will come from signing 40 players in two transfer windows. And that strategy comes from Marinakis. He wants to run the club like that. Cooper said, just just give me players. Give me whatever players you feel you want, which is a bit of a, like, like a bit of a rollover type of way. And a lot of managers don't like working like that because they want to have say in who they get. Cooper's, Cooper's a coach. He's an he's a absolute typical coach. He's not a manager. He just coaches what he's got. And if you don't give him enough of what you've got, it's a problem higher up. And I think every every situation at Nottingham Forest can be tracked back to Marinakis. He'll probably sack Cooper and he'll get some Well, there, there's no manager. indication at the moment that Steve Cooper is under any pressure. But as you say, it can be volatile at times at Nottingham I think Forest. the only thing keeping Cooper in a job is the fans. Marinakis yeah, knows... Because the fans will kick off at the Mar- owner. Yeah, Marinakis right. knows that there will be mutiny at Nottingham Forest if he sacks him. That's why he... he, he um, 
he copped out of it last year when he sacked the, Not- the Nottingham Forest um, director. He of did a massive 180 because he gave Cooper a new contract as well, didn't he? 100%, as part of yeah. that whole furor, yeah. which was pretty crazy. But if you look at Nottingham Forest's next fixtures leading into the new year, I think this is going to tell a real story. They've got Wolves away next. Then they've got Spurs at home on Friday, the 15th of December. And the big one for me through this whole Christmas period is on Saturday, the 23rd, where they're at home to Bournemouth. The team that's closest to them at the moment in the table, they're three points away with Bournemouth's win against Crystal Palace. That extends the gap between the two sides to three points before they travel to Newcastle and then they host Manchester United the day before New Year's Eve. So they've got some big games over Christmas. I just wonder how Steve Cooper will get on in those matches and whether the pressure will start to ramp up from above because it certainly won't from the fan base by the looks of what we saw last night. Okay, loads of fixtures last night to discuss. We can't talk about all of the results, of course, but I do want to look ahead to the two games this evening because I think they're intriguing. Tottenham Hotspur against West Ham is a London derby, always worth a watch. And Everton against Newcastle, which we'll talk about next on Football Social Daily. See you after this. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Final part of the show, two games tonight to box off, lads. It's West Ham against Spurs at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Ange Postacoglu's side were leading the way after 10 games. Now they're out of the top four and teams have come up from beneath them and overtaken them. City, Liverpool, Arsenal and, as we've already discussed on today's show, Aston Villa. But when they play against West Ham, even though West Ham aren't doing that well this season, some of the performances recently under Moyes haven't been so great, Joel. It's uh, it's always got a bit of spice, this one. You'd expect Spurs to win, but it's never that simple when you go into a derby match like this. I'm not sure I would even expect Spurs to win, to be honest, because after that crazy Chelsea game, which looking back now is probably one of the worst games they'll have this season in terms of injuries, in terms of losing the game in that manner, allowing Jackson to moonwalk on them. I mean, it was just it was just the worst possible game they could have had. And we're seeing the repercussions of that, where they've not won in the last four games, three losses, one draw. It's just not going the way in which Ange, Ange probably would have hoped for. I mean... 
he was on the back of three manager of the month awards and everything was looking so rosy and that's why I always say it's just way too soon to start calling the shots on these teams going for titles and that kind of thing because it's just so premature and the fact that I think West Ham as well on, on the flip side I feel like they're getting a lot of criticism despite the fact that they're in a pretty comfortable position as well um, considering the fact that they lost Declan Rice which is a massive blow in itself but for Spurs I've always said at the start and I know people's perception of them might have changed a little bit this season because of how strongly they actually started but let's not forget they lost Harry Kane in the summer how on earth are you meant to readjust losing someone who scores that many goals every season and I know Son's really with ease kind of fit into that mould but I think Spurs are at where they should be at to be honest I don't think they're overachieving I don't think they're underachieving I think they're pretty much just as they should be and it's just a shame that the injuries have come when they've came because in hind in in a in a hypothetical world, if they were both fit, who knows where they would be? They might even be joint top with Arsenal. You just really don't know. But I think right now, Ange will be pretty happy with the situation in terms of the fact that it's so competitive this season. Every single team above them is taking points off each other. And that's the reason why they're in a pretty decent position right now. But I think this game, like you mentioned, with London derbies, anyone can win any of these games. But I do think that Spurs will take it tonight. Based off of that performance against Manchester City, I think Tottenham have improved. But it's about being consistent and losing three games in a row is not what anyone wants to do. Spurs, thankfully, have broken that streak. And they would have looked at this period and Ange will have looked at this Christmas period thinking... Okay, it's going to be difficult if we are going to stay top of the league, which obviously they're not now, then you need to get points from these games. And, you know, they've gone away to Manchester City. They're back at home tonight. And I think it's at home where they've been pretty useful, to be fair to them. And speaking of home comforts, Goodison Park is somewhere that many teams don't enjoy going in the first place, let alone when you've got a bunch of angry Evertonians who are still fuming at that 10-point deduction from the Premier League. It's your team's turn to travel to Merseyside tonight, Marley. You're at Goodison to take on Everton, Newcastle United the visitors and in a good spot in terms of form in the Premier League, even with all of your injuries and all of the issues that Eddie Howe has had to deal with, you're still playing good football. You're still winning games. So despite all of those things, are you expecting your team to be victorious tonight, even though you've got 11 players out? Uh, yeah. Um, in, in short, yeah. I think we've, um, you know, we've we've done really well considering the... Um, the injuries we've got and everything like that, and it's not really, not really stopped us coming off the back of a, a few good performances. Obviously, Man United, PSG, um, you know, smashed Chelsea before that as well. So it's um, it's fine. We've done pretty well at Everton in the in the last few um, few games as well. You know, we've uh, I think we we've won two out of the last three games there, or whatever it is, and stuff like that. And ultimately, it comes down to like Everton. As much as they're incensed by this deduction and stuff like that, they're not an incredible team. Um, they're playing they're, better win, though; they're improving. I think they'll win. Yeah, but they'll win games on passion and you know fighting. And if if you can play around that and and you know keep the ball and frustrate them, I don't think they're that dangerous. Um, and I think uh, last season kind of proved that it was it was kind of a similar type of game um, at Goodison Park and Newcastle were were really good that night. Um it was the one where Isaac picked up the ball at like half halfway on the touchline and dribbled past about five players and put it across the box for Jacob Murphy to score. 
So hopefully he can do something like that again tonight. But um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I'm expecting Newcastle to handle the 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 atmosphere and the pressure because we've just come off the back of of the PSG game, which was huge pressure. The home game against Man United, which was pressure because we have a bad a bad record against them. You know, the game against Chelsea were where everyone was trying to almost waiting for us to sort of drop off and and succumb to the injury list. But we haven't done that so far. And, you know, going back to going to Goodison Park could be be another test. But I, one that I expect us to, to get points in. In terms of how the Premier League table looks from Everton's perspective, Joel, they're third bottom at the moment. They're on seven points. If they win against Newcastle, that takes them out of the relegation zone and sucks Luton Town back in. From Sean Dyche's perspective, it would just be, and I've heard him say this, it's done now. The 10-point deduction's done. We are where we are. And I guess that's the only way that the players can approach this. Yes, they can be annoyed and the fans can be annoyed, and rightly so. But from a player's perspective, it's a case of, right, that's happened. Yes, we don't like it. Yes, we don't agree with it. But we are in the relegation zone. That is a fact. So they have to deal with that. Yeah, they can't start playing with the view that it could get overturned in April or March and they could get pulled out of trouble eventually. But when you compare Everton to the likes of Luton, Burnley and Sheffield, obviously they're far and wide when you compare the form, the amount of goals they've scored, the amount of goals they've conceded. I mean, their form at the start of the season has pretty much propped them up. They are better than those three sides. So I think that's the hope that Everton fans can have going into the next stages of this season. But in reality, giving them 10 points, they would be, what, 14th, 15th? They are better than they actually are in the position that they are. But like you mentioned, they have to play the season like this 10 points is a done conclusion and just continue as it is. All right, well, Everton take on Newcastle tonight at Goodison Park. And then we're into the weekend where more Premier League action takes place. So we'll be next with you on Monday, looking back across, I guess, two lots of matches. There'll be a lot of talking points to get through. So make sure you join us on Monday's show by hitting subscribe or follow on your favourite podcast platform. Don't forget, you can also join the conversation in the Telegram group by clicking the link in the description and the links to our social media channels are there as well. But from Marley, Joel and myself, that is all for today on the award-winning podcast, Football Social Daily. We'll speak to you next time. Football Social Daily is a VoiceWork sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.